talking about. Film's the greatest educational medium the world has ever known. Hi guys, and welcome back to Teenage Golden Age, a podcast where we talk about old Hollywood movies from the perspective of the next generation. Today, we're going to talk about Barbara Stanwyck, one of my favorite classic film actresses. Barbara Stanwyck's career is really interesting to me because through watching several of her films, I really found that her strong-willed, almost manipulative characters make up for the majority of her roles in the 30s to mid-40s when she was younger, and then as she aged, her characters became weak and you know less punchy i mean i haven't watched every single one of barbara stanwick's films but from films like sorry wrong number executive suite and there's always tomorrow you can definitely see her withdraw from her empowered characters that she once played it made me think of the role of ageism that played in old hollywood and how women who were above a certain age couldn't play cynical roles I don't necessarily think her later roles were bad, but I think she really thrived when she played her strong-willed characters. I mean, though her performance in Sorry Wrong Number, one of her you know later films, was super dramatic and emotional, I think her roles in the beginning of her career really showed her versatility in a way because she played really complex characters who could be vulgar and sympathetic at the same time. Or in The Lady Eve, for example, she was able to do a double performance and play both Jean and Eve. And I think through these roles, she almost changed the stereotypical role women should were playing in the 30s and 40s and really empowered women through that. She really played women who were not controlled by men and who were, you know, she kind of controlled the men herself you know and she played you know really intelligent working woman who really knew themselves and she's definitely one of my favorite actresses as I said and I really want to take time in this episode to really break down her roles where you know she has the most versatility and it has some of her best performances Before we start, please make sure to rate and review us if you enjoy our podcast because it helps grow our audience and help more people hear about old movies. Also, make sure to follow our Instagram and TikTok where we post movie clips, podcast clips, reminders about when new episodes come out, and more. So just a little bit about her life, Ruby C. Stevens, of course later changed to Barbara Stanwyck, was born July 16, 1907 in Brooklyn, New York. At the age of four, Ruby's mom, Catherine, was pushed off a moving streetcar and sadly died, and shortly after that, her dad left her and her siblings, and Ruby lived in different places with her brother until age 14 when she started to earn her own living. Ruby was, an inspi- was inspired by her sister, Mildred, who was an aspiring actress and she started to become one herself and at age 16 she earned a spot as a chorus girl at the Strand Roof nightclub and went on to work as a dancer with the Ziegfeld Follies at the New Amsterdam Theatre. She made her Broadway debut in 1926 and starred later that year in Burlesque and her first film appearance was in the silent film Broadway Nights and by now her stage name was Barbara Stanwyck of course and so she just continued to appear in films working up to her first starring role in The Locked Door from 1929. In 1930, Barbara signed a joint contract with Columbia and Warner Brothers. Warner Bros. I'm like used to saying Warner Bros. Anyways, and stayed with them until 1935 when she was one of the first actors to go independent. Actually, a lot of, yeah, I think also Cary Grant went independent. And it's it's interesting that, you know, they kind of like 
rebelled almost against like the studio system which was humongous at that time so I bet that was really really hard and you know a lot of people probably um judge them for doing that because you know everyone you know stick to the studio so I don't know I I think that's really interesting in 1939, she got an acclaim and her first Oscar nomination for her role in Stella Dallas. After participating in the 1940s Remember the Night with director Preston Sturgis, she went on to do other Preston Sturgis' films like The Lady Eve and Ball of Fire. And in 1944, she did a double indemnity with Fred McMurray, which is one of her most famous roles today. She went on to doing so many other films, but her career really dimmed in the 1950s with her last starring role film being in 1957. One of her best career triumphs though was the Barbara Stanwyck show which she hosted in 1960 and won an Emmy. Stanwyck sadly died in the 1990s. So I wanted to start with her most famous role and that is Double Indemnity from 1944. In this classic film noir, insurance salesman Walter Neff gets roped into a murderous scheme when he falls for the sensual Philip Dietrichson, who is intent on killing her husband and living off the fraudulent accidental death claim. Promoted by the late Mr. Dietrichson's daughter Lola, insurance investigator Baron Keyes looks into the case and gradually begins to uncover the sinister truth. You're a smart insurance man, aren't you, Mr. Neff? Well, I've been at it 11 years. Doing pretty well? Oh, it's a living. You handle just automobile insurance or all kinds? All kinds. Fire, earthquake, theft, public liability, group insurance, industrial stuff, and so on right down the line. So in Double Indemnity, Philip Dietrichson's Barbara Samuels character is first introduced on the top of her staircase only with a bath towel on. This reveals to us that, you know, she's a little bit risky and is really not afraid to use her femininity to lure men in. After she gets dressed, she walks down the stairs, and then, then there is a close-up shot of her feet exposing her anklet, which is also very scandalous at that time, and I think, you know, shows her, her like, you know, how she's different, and, you know, there's something different about her and unique that we're going to find out. Barbara plays a very strategic killer in this film, originally hiding her manipulated personality when she first meets the insurance salesman, Walter. She appears to be this quiet, innocent girl. By the way, she just quietly talks, and how she shows no romantic interest in Walter because she appears to be happily married. Her clothing choice kind of contradicts this persona, as I said, because of her you know, scandalous anklet. And in Double Indemnity, she really makes Walter pity her when she describes her life full of boredom and her relationship troubles. I think you're rotten. I think you're swell. She's really strategic in the way that she really builds trust with Walter and really makes him see her depression and just the deep hole she has dug herself in. Stanwyck's character doesn't get charmed and hypnotized by men and she really knows how to coax them and use them to her needs. <laughs> her character, you know, she's really like a she has a lot of woman empowerment to her because, you know, she's not this traditional femme fatale where, you know, she's controlled by a man. She's really the one to, you know, come up with the idea to do the murder. And, you know, I feel like in a lot of film noirs, like the man is the one who does all like the, you know, sneaky things, all the risky things. And she's really the one 
to, you know, plan it all and rope Walter into this plan she has. Her character really changes her personality from the beginning to being this worried wife and then to exposing her true rebellious, manipulated personality. And we never really know if she's fully telling the truth. She always seems to reveal new secrets of her life as the film builds. When she doesn't get what she wants, she turns into this monster and then changes her personality again so she has Walter continue to love and act for her. She really, you know, the whole film, she really changes her personality back and forth, back and forth. And it's, it's a lot to process, but it's an, an incredible performance. And in the end, we never really seem to get to the root of Phyllis's true inner persona, and that really leaves a lot of mystery to her character. There is this one scene where they are at Walter's apartment talking about the cases where wives have killed their husbands and got the money because of accident insurance and there's just this close-up shot of phyllis's face and she looks down almost with guilt and we kind of sense that she's hiding something and we really wonder if she was behind those other cases and that that really you know drew me into the film i think you know we don't really know her past and that makes us interesting like interested in her you know you know what if she's done this millions and millions of times and hasn't got caught um, so that's really interesting and for this I think Barbara Stanway kind of plays a character within a character in this film because she's really masking her real personality to Walter. Overall though I love the detective and murder mystery elements of this film and it's just one of the most famous film noirs out there in, in classic film and known today and it's it's just such an incredible film overall like even the other characters' performances are incredible too, but Barbara's is specifically great. No, I never loved you, Walter, not you or anybody else. I'm rotten to the heart I used you, just as you said. That's all you ever meant to me. Okay, moving on to the next film. We're kind of going backwards here in time, but we're going to talk about The Lady Eve from 1941. For summary, it's no accident when wealthy Charles falls for Jean. Jean is a con artist with her sights set on Charles's fortune, and matters are complicated when Jean starts falling for her mark. When Charles suspects Jean is a gold digger, he dumps her, and Jean, fixated on revenge and still pining for the millionaire, devises a plan to get back in Charles's life. With love and payback on her mind, she reintroduces herself to Charles, this time as an aristocrat named Lady Eve Sidwich. We first meet Barbara Stanwyck's character, Jean, when she's watching the rich Charles board her boat, and the first thing she says is, gee, I hope he's rich. This off the bat shows how she is a con artist, and she plays this manipulative, manipulative character like in a double indemnity, but I think almost in a nicer way, and I'll explain that more. When she says this first line, it also illustrates Jean's honesty and how she's blunt about her intentions with Charles and is not attempting to fabricate them. She's experimental when we see her bumping Charles on the head with an apple, and she wants his money, but I also think she takes her job as a con artist in a jokingly way. That's why I say, like, you know, she is manipulative in a nicer way because, you know, she... You know, she cares about getting his money, but I also think, you know, she kind of knows she's going to get it already, so why not have some fun with it? You know what I mean? I would say the scene that really shows her whole persona in this film is in this dining hall scene. So on the ship, Charles is having dinner for the first time since aboarding the ship. And when he looks up, we see all of these women looking at him and fluttering their eyes while they smile and drink the ale that his family produces. 
And this establishes this kind of norm of what other women are were doing on the ship, trying to impress Charles because, of course, you know, he's rich. And all Jean does is doesn't move an inch and puts her mirror up almost as, like, if a TV, a lot of, I actually posted this clip on TikTok and a lot of people thought like the mirror was a TV and she watches the action unfold as she sees these women trying to get his attention and I love her narration of the scene and she know she knows she's going to get Charles because she doesn't bother to try and do what these other women are doing and she, you know, she makes fun of them because she, she thinks it's hilarious how much they're trying. Every Jane in the room was giving him the thermometer and he feels they're just a waste of time. He's returning to his book. He's deeply immersed in it. He sees no one except... Watch his head turn when that kid goes by. Won't do you any good, dear. He's a bookworm, but swing him anyway. Oh, now how about this one? How would you like that hanging on your Christmas tree? Oh, you wouldn't? Well, what is your weakness, brother? So effortlessly does she put out her leg, and while he's walking, he trips on it. There, she gets angry at him instead of pleasing him and tells him to help her pick new shoes out in her cabin and she's so smooth in the way that she so effortlessly lures him in and she really knows how to manipulate him and almost go against what everyone else does instead of pleasing him at first she fights him and when he introduces himself she bluntly says everyone knows that nobody's talking about anything else she uses Charles's ignorance when it comes to women because, you know, he hasn't, he's been away in the Amazon for a while. So he hasn't really seen women that much. And, you know, and through that, he, she makes him instantly obsess over her. And she kind of is, you know, she kind of is the dominant figure in their relationship and kind of controls Charles, which kind of you know, changes the stereotypical narrative that like the man is supposed to be the dominant one in the relationship. Differently from Double Indemnity, she kind of gets more emotional and raw as the film progresses and starts to leave her manipulative and selfish persona. Why don't you look where you're going? Why don't I look? What you did to my shoe, you knocked the heel off. Oh, I did? Well, I'm certainly sorry. You didn't? You can just take me right down to my cabin for another pair of slippers. Oh, well, certainly. I guess it's the least I can do. By the way, my name's Pike. Oh, everybody knows that. Nobody's talking about anything else. This is my father, Colonel Harrington. My name is Jean. It's really Eugenia. Come on. She actually falls in love in this film and really lets herself go, unlike in Double Indemnity when she really holds up a grudge and doesn't open up because she's really scared to. In The Lady Eve, Stanwyck's character cries and is really content with her loving emotions. She doesn't just like push them away. And also in the film, she also plays, as I said before, an additional character towards the end named Eve, who is this very British, very comedic and loud character, which is also super fun and incredible to see, you know, this quick switch in character that she does. And I, I love it. Overall, I think this is actually one of the best performances that she's done. And even though she would, she didn't win a um, an Oscar, sadly, for this film. I think she definitely, definitely deserved one because personally, this is one of my favorite. And we actually talked a little bit about this film in our Stuart Klawans episode um, where we interviewed him about his book about Preston Sturgis. And he said that it was his favorite film. And it's definitely probably one of mine. Oh, you don't know what you've done to me. I'm terribly sorry. Oh, that's all right. Moving on to the last performance we're going to talk about. And we're going even back in time here with a film in from 1937, Stella Dallas. For summary, when Stella Martin, a working class woman, meets and marries the wealthy Stefan Dallas, they quickly have a daughter named Laurel. 
Stella and Stefan struggle to stay happy as their class difference becomes a problem. When their family separates, Laurel is caught in the middle of the divorce, and soon Laurel becomes the center of Stella's life, and Stella tries to be a good mother, but realizes that her daughter can flourish quite well without her. My own sister, standing out here every night making a sap out of herself over a guy who don't even know she's on earth. You mind your own business. Anyway, you don't know what you're talking about. Barbara Stanwyck's character, Stella, definitely starts as being this sweet young girl who just wants to find love. She still has the same ability to lure men in, like when she goes for the first time to Stefan Dallas's office, she stands close to him while she looks him up and down. I feel like her personality really changes right after she births her baby, and she starts to feel trapped in her husband's high-class lifestyle and just in the whole responsibility and formality of being married with kids. To this dance that she goes to right after having a child, we can start to see her toxicity as we see her dancing with other men and just being drunk and loud and, you know, snobby. She's really an outsider to this rich lifestyle that she now must live in, and I think that makes her want to rebel and fight against this limiting lifestyle in this proper and orthodoxy way she's forced to live. Her husband tells her what she can and cannot wear and how she should act and that is really limiting, limiting, I cannot say limiting, to her so that's why she wants to rebel and you know she wants to be as loud as possible and we see that you know in her style choice, in her clothing choice just by the way that you know she wears both prints and crazy statement jewelry and that's very different to what you know the high class wear in that time period. We can witness her untraditional ways by just the way she doesn't wear makeup and doesn't have her hair done and wears a robe inside her house. And this is very different from her other roles in Double Indemnity and The Lady Eve where she's definitely more put together and proper. This allows her to be really real in this film and be able to break down and really show her dramatic acting skills completely. Something really interesting to see though in this film is how she really cares for her daughter and, you know, we see her make a dress for her daughter and go out for her birthday party and just really love her unconditionally. The contrast between this toxic relationship she has with her husband and then we see her relationship with her daughter being, you know, this really sweet and loving one just illustrates the complexity of Barbara Stanwyck's character here. She is really both a diva and a loving character. And throughout this film, like through the, the through, through the, how, I cannot talk. As this film progresses, she doesn't end up knowing what her daughter wants, and she ends up really hurting her daughter. That is super sad to see, and we start to almost hate Barbara Stanwyck's character more and more as the film progresses, because, you know, we get angry at her life choices sometimes, and even though Stella thinks that having her daughter growing up in a fancy lifestyle is what she wants, she ends up really, you know, going against what her daughter actually wants, and start, you know, hurts her daughter a lot. I don't want to spoil it that much, but that's all I'm going to say. This film is so sad and just really focuses on the complexity of a mother and daughter relationship and just the ideas of class. Thank you, thank you so much for sticking to the end of this episode. You guys can watch Double Indemnity for free on the Internet Archive. I love that. I love watching movies for free. And you can watch The Lady Eve on really any streaming platform and Stella Dallas on Prime Video. Barbara Samick is, again, like, I, I love her so much. I can never really pick, though, my favorite actress or actor. Like, it's super impossible for me. I always have, like, a list of, like, three or four because... You know, I can't choose, like, which is my favorite, favorite actress. 
um, super hard. That's the same with movies. So many people ask me, oh, what's your favorite classic film? And I literally never can decide. So I always just end up choosing a random film because, you know, usually people want like one film um, for me to say. So I can never, it's so, so difficult. Tell me if you guys have the same like difficulty in, you know, trying to pick your favorite film. I find it so, so hard. Um, but there, I mean, there's a lot of films, of course, that I, I love, um, but there's never one film that I'm completely obsessed about, you know, there's never like one, there's like a ton that I love so much, you know, um, if you guys have any questions or comments or just want to talk about our podcast and about classic film, make sure to email us at teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. That's teenagegoldenage at gmail.com. See you in our next episode. Bye.